Hi, Liz. Hi, Olivia. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. Today, we have the second part of our talk with Deborah Jodry. She's our local youth leader and all-around fabulous and interesting person. That's true. And we left it at the point where she was telling us a little bit of her early years. And um, she had just signed up for the first year of college and she's about to change majors. So we're going to hear the final part of her story. Enjoy. And it also took, I eventually changed to be a religion major um, in my end of my sophomore year. Because I thought maybe through the like faith communities, I still had a pretty like rigid and conservative kind of viewpoint of that, but still felt like maybe this is an in yeah. for connecting with people, sure. for helping, for making a difference, um, working with youth, working with kids. Um, because that, at that time, that would be the only role that I could have served in at a church. I hadn't yet completely de- deconstructed the concept that like women can be pastors, women can be leaders, women can do whatever the fuck they want mm-hmm. um, yeah I know shocker <laughs> so what got you to that place believing that taking the classes mm. I I mean hands down I went to a small liberal art, liberal arts school in North Carolina historically Baptist but we're very much moving away from those roots like more of like an appreciation for that tradition but very much loosening up on like some of my friends who have gone to like Christian schools where you have to sign a statement you have like everyone mm. takes Christian classes there was they were loosening up like everyone had to just take like one intro to Christianity class um, everyone didn't have to go to worship we went to connections like a half credit thing where you hear different speakers or whatever but they're they were trying to shift away and kind of like become a little bit more um, le- less connected to this like Christian. But those small, seemingly small shifts make a world of difference. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, spiritual life department, religious religion department, most progressive spaces on campus. I believe it. I say interestingly enough, but also totally makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Because these are people who have PhDs in religion and are like, holy shit, this is not black and white. Mm. God, it's such an easy life if you just think black and white. It's easy. Yeah. You have one choice. It's either right, it's either wrong, it's either this or it's that. It's really fucking yeah. hard to live in the grays of life, but it's so much bigger and more expansive and more beautiful and more diverse and more meaningful. And there's so much depth. It's and hard. intentional. Yeah, it's hard, mm-hmm. but it's so worth it. But I get why people want to just all or nothing, black or white, this or that, left or right. Because two choices is way easier than like, oh, shit. We may not know anything about anything. Oh, 100%. I mean, the liminal space is terrifying. Exactly. But it's where everything is. That's right. So I start taking these classes that are like, hey, your churches probably haven't taught you this, but there's actually two different creation stories at the beginning of Genesis. And actually, like, the genre of this is much more poetic. And actually, like, it's not trying to be history. And actually, like, science is real. <laughs> I'm hearing these things. I, I mean, I laugh too, but like, it's like I'm hearing these things at 1920 for the first time in my life. Yeah. I was taught the world was 10,000 years old. I was taught that Genesis was the way the world began. I was taught that the Bible is the way that we so, figure everything out. So in terms had you of, even heard of evolution? I had, but it was like of the devil. Yeah. 
So, and that, I mean, that was the fear of public schools and sure. the secular world. So, I mean, so I'm hearing yeah. these things for the first time. Completely fresh. Apart from my family, where I actually start getting to like think for myself and apart from this church that I've been a part of and think for myself and ask questions and hear from people that like are truly educated in this and not just men and yeah. not just put in places of power because they are men, but are actually, I mean, there were men, but they also like had fucking PhDs and mm -hmm. cared and there also were women and this, the, our like head of spiritual life was this amazing woman um, still probably someone who has no idea the impact that they had on my life in terms of like breaking this shit down. Um, so between the spiritual life department and the religion department and the classes, um, it, that's what changed my life. And interestingly enough, I was a part of this like women's Bible study group. Um, and I told them that I was thinking about changing my major to religion and they're like, you're going to lose your faith because there's such a fear mm -hmm. of learning because that empowers individual people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we actually get to ask our own questions and get to come to our own conclusions and get did to- Did you lose your faith? I did not. Exactly. It looks different, but it's not mm -hmm. lost. But it's still it's, faith. It's way better because it's actually my own. Yeah. It's not the one that was handed to me by my parents. It's not the one that was handed to me by this compound we were in for three years it's not the one that was handed to me by the church that i was well, in for and it's my not middle motivated school and high by fear exactly it's motivated by love and openness and appreciation for diversity and relational so much better um but i'll never forget that moment of one of the upperclassmen leaders like sitting me down and being like we're really worried about you deborah like we don't want you to lose your faith but to, and what's sad is like to them, I did. Yeah. I, lo I lost that faith. I lost that faith that held power and control over everyone, but especially people who held any type of marginalized identity in terms of being women or queer or, you know, disabled or any, like there was so much that this is where the power and control comes from. And we just, Deborah, stick to the status quo. It's easier, black and white, this or that. That's, that's the world we live in. It's easier. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And yet you were able to be like, okay, I'm going to listen to my gut and I'm going to keep doing what I am yeah. drawn to do. Like, this and, is And shout path. out to the people in my life, the fucking women in my life. This, this head of the spiritual life department and chap that she was like the chaplain of the school too. Um, my, we had chaplains in the freshman dorms as well. Shout out to the chaplain of my freshman dorm. She also continues to be someone she was the first woman i ever heard preach from a pulpit um she was in divinity school at the at the college um and started asking questions chipping away helping me start think for myself and empowered me to that i i have the ability to think for myself and have ideas and thoughts and questions and um she was incredible and then shout out to my one of my best friends if not my best friend to this day we became really close sophomore year as we both shifted into the religion department. So we've been friends for almost 10 years now. And we were on the same journey of, okay, can women be pastors? Okay, is it okay to be queer? Okay, is it okay to, like, we just started, what is the Bible? What is faith? What is Christianity? Um, and she continues to this day to be one of my closest friends and confidants and supporters in life as she is working at a church in the Midwest. And I'm working in a community and somewhat adjacent to a church here in 
New Jersey, but in such a different way than the Bible study that we were part of in college would have ever hoped for us to have been. (laughs) But how amazing to have a partner through that journey. Oh my God. The amount of conversations we had on like the, our like floor of our dorm rooms or living room floors of like, okay, so I'm like thinking about this. Oh, you're thinking about that too. Okay. I was also like, I'm struggling with that. And I was wondering if like, maybe it's okay if we think this way or maybe it's okay. And having that like support and someone who's like going through it is, such a difference. So to understand that these are valid things to be thinking, given yep. where y'all came from. Yep. And that's, that's everything. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so tell us how you ended up in Hopewell. Um, so after college, once I decided that, like, women can do whatever the fuck they want, um, I decided that I really wanted to learn more in terms of, like, religion and faith and Christianity. I felt like I just scratched the surface of like deconstructing my own sense of faith and and what I wanted to do with my life, but also wanting to like learn so maybe I could be a part of other people learning too. Sure. Um, Because I just feel like my eyes were open to so many kids like me stuck in these fucked up churches and systems who don't feel like there is anyone connected to churches or connected to Christianity that looks like them that believes in this expansive type of like faith and who God is. And so I was like, I want to keep learning. So the school I went to had a a divinity school, which is basically a seminary, but it's just like run within the university. So like Duke divinity school is run within the Duke university. And Mm -hmm. this, so it was the same idea Um, where Princeton seminary, where I ended up transferring to is its own graduate Mm -hmm. school. So that's just, it's the same school. It's the same, same type of schooling same degree master of divinity um but just either it's like run as a graduate school within a university or separate um so i started at the school in north carolina and it felt kind of same old same old i mean it was in the same building i moved to the first floor instead of the third floor (laughs) um and i was like after a couple months kind of bored i was like i feel i already had all this um and i started applying for schools um this was the first this was also a really big moment I didn't have a sense of life really out. Like we moved a lot, we traveled a lot, but like of making my own way of what, what even like, I had a shit education through 18. I had no concept of like what I could, what, where I could go, what schools I could go to. Uh, I mean, the school I went to, I think they was just like, really anyone can be here. You know, like it wasn't, there wasn't really an intense, like process of you can't you're not accepted to school or you are um and it was a huge shift even into college from like being homeschooled which the school part of that is very loosely held um to being in the structure of taking classes it was the only school i applied to i got in i went but i had no idea of like i can go to a different school i could go to princeton seminary i could go to vanderbilt university like i had no concept of that and i thankfully had a couple people in my life who were like, yeah, like you should apply to these different places. Um, and so I did, but I was so like, I didn't tell other than those two people, I didn't tell anyone else because I thought I was a fraud. Like I truly felt like <laughs> there was no way that I'm actually smart enough or able to like go anywhere else other than this like very small school and small divinity school. Um, I applied to five different places, all very like good graduate schools in terms of wanting to pursue a master of divinity. And I got into all of them. Did that give you a sense of like, 
Holy crap. Absolutely. And kind of frustration of like, why the fuck haven't I done this before? <laughs> and now I have to pick. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, really, no black and white choices. really great financial opportunities. Um, I literally one school, like I remember getting the call and they're like, we're going to fly you down for like a free visit. All like you are part of our full ride package group and you're going to come down and check out the school, check out some classes, meet some people. We're going to pay for it. And we want you to come here. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, I fooled everyone. What is happening? No, but it was so empowering. Like it, it felt like, if not one of the most empowering moments of my life, a very empowering moment of like, I actually do have things to contribute. I think there was still this sense of I'm like, worth, I'm yeah, worth something. Yeah, I'm sure. worth something. People want me. People think I have good ideas and valuable skills. And apart from who my family is, what church I go to. Um, and it was so, it was such a, a beautiful opportunity and experience. Um, and I ended up choosing Princeton Theological Seminary here in New Jersey. Um, I didn't really want to stay in the South anymore. I was in the process of coming out as queer um, and starting a relation, a queer relationship. And I was like, I would really love to be above the Mason-Dixon line <laughs> as I start exploring these things. And I, sure. also, I also need space for my family. Um, I, I hadn't come out to them yet. I was going to wait until I moved. Because I was really scared. I saw what happened with my sibling, and I was really scared about that um, and, and felt like I needed the space to just find my own community and become my own person. Um, and so in 2017, I moved to Princeton and attended there for three years, graduated in 2020, and then we were my spouse and I were looking for places to move in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> which was so fun. Um, and my spouse works at the seminary, and so we were wanting to still live close by. I was kind of figuring out what's next for me after I graduated grad school, and we saw a house for sale in Hopewell. We had already had some friends who lived here, and so it was a very attractive space to us in terms of already having some communi community, especially while being in a pandemic. Yeah. Like, being able to have people um, was really important to us, and we found a house before the house market got crazy. <laughs> and moved timing May of everything. 2020. I mean, timing is, it, it, we could not live in Hobo right now. Um, it was a miracle. We got under asking price on our house, which mm -hmm. is a yeah. foreign concept at this yes. point. Yeah. So that's how we end up in Hopewell. We actually moved to Hopewell before this job that I work now opened up. It was six months later that this job director of the Hopewell Youth Collective popped up. And I actually was very skeptical about even applying for it because it was, you start out by working out of a church as well, and then hopefully maybe transition into like being just a full-time director. How about a full circle on the church? Seriously, and I and I really like I still had like a, a, a faith, but I was struggling with how that connected to like a church. Sure. Um, I had had a really terrible experience working in a church at the end of college and at the beginning of grad school, really mistreated, um, and I thought like there's no way in hell I'm going to work at a church again. Um, and it took a lot of convincing by the pastor of this church and, and, and meeting her and building trust in that and the other people at the church and then meeting people in the community who are really excited about this opportunity to like develop a, an organization and a group to like support and empower young people. Um, that's really what convinced me to like take the job and get as involved in, as I am in the community of Hopewell is like, I really wish I had been empowered as a teenager. I really wish I would have been told like my ideas and my experiences matter, my questions matter, my fears matter. And like I already contribute to the life of the church that I'm in and the community that I am as a young person. 
I don't have to be told all of the right answers. I get to be a part of that conversation. Um, that's how I ended up in better just by existing. Exactly. Yeah. What a crazy concept. Right. But it changes everything. It does. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the youth collective. Yeah. So this was happening kind of, I think before the pandemic were kind of the beginnings of the musings around like, what if we did this thing where there was a group for all youth connected to any of the churches in town or not a church or just connected in whatever way to the community. Um, So it kind of stemmed from the pastor of the Presbyterian church here in Hopewell, kind of bringing up some of these questions to the other pastors in Hopewell. So there's five different churches in Hopewell that make up the Hopewell Council of Churches. Um, They're all fairly small in size and kind of recognizing that they want to support the youth both in their churches and in the community, but it doesn't really make sense for all of these churches to hire like their own youth person. Um, And so I believe it was the pastor of the Presbyterian church kind of in um, collaboration with those, with the other pastors and with um, the Institute for Youth Ministry at Princeton Theological Seminary that does a lot of research and work around like innovative youth ministry um, that came up with this idea of like, what if we just created a hope, like the Hopewell Youth Collective and we hired someone to like just meet with the young people in this community, ask them what they care about, ask them what they're worried about, create a leadership team and like allow space for young people to like play and connect and serve and learn and lead. Um, And so the job posting popped up as this kind of dual position of working some out of the Presbyterian church and then also working as the director of the Hopewell Youth Collective. Um, So I came in, I mean, it was brand new. Like my first summer here was just like, hi, I'm Deborah. (laughs) I'm wanting to start this thing called the Hopewell Youth Collective. Uh, And really the hope is like, I just get to be part of facilitating, but that eventually like the youth take ownership and we develop a leadership team. And it's like, it's youth focused, youth led, youth run for youth, by youth. That's a um, phrase that another youth organization, Princeton High Tops, shout out to them use like this concept of like this is for youth and it's run by youth because believe it or not sometimes like having the population you're serving be a part of decisions that are made makes a difference yes because i'm not that old but also like being a teenager 15 years ago is really different Mm -hmm. than now Mm -hmm. and really different 30 years ago and however many years ago like it's so different and so why are we pretending like as adults we know what young people need what kind of support they need the challenges they're facing, especially coming out of a pandemic that affected teenagers in such a different way um, and a really hard way in such development, like huge developmental years of their lives. So, well, and talk about isolation, right? Like, absolutely. So this mm-hmm. is a way to connect, yep. which is so important. Yeah. So the first three months, I just tried to meet as many of the young people at first connected in the churches because that was kind of the like already open avenues. Like they were already like, yeah, talk to them. It was harder to be like, random people in the community hello but people know people and i was able to get connected with some amazing people through chubbies um that's how i met liz and her amazing family um working on the chubbies project and it became so much more than just like for these churches like it still very much is like wanting to support the the work of recognizing that faith is still very important Mm -hmm. to, to to some youth and having that like connection those relationships with the different pastors in town is huge but also very quickly expanded to just be like this is for the community which includes the churches but for the community 
Um, and so we had our first meeting or gathering on September 14th of 2001, where we just... 21. I'm sorry. I was like, wait a minute. 2021. <laughs> I was seven in 2001. Don't even. <laughs> 2021. We don't care. I thought of the one and I jumped. So a year and some months ago, um, September 14th, 2021, we had our first gathering. We met outside because we were still like COVID-y. I mean, we still are, but like different ways. Thankfully, you know, shout out mm -hmm. to vaccines. Um, we met outside and 14 kids came to this first group and I had met maybe a handful of them and we just like talked. What do you guys care about? What's going on? What are you passionate about? What's what, what what a difference experience for these kids that are told what to do all day yeah. long, right? Mm -hmm. And then coming in, what do you have to say? Yeah. And just I was just like, hey, I'm literally I've been hired to just like care about you guys and like to be a person in this Isn't community that, that isn't your parent and that isn't your school, like a teacher. Amazing, important relationships. But my only agenda is for you guys to like get the level of support that you need in this com community outside of your family and outside of school. Those are huge places of support and learning and growth. But like, what do you guys want to see happen in your community that you're a part of? Mm -hmm. um, and so we started meeting every other week at first for that first year, getting ideas, trying out different things here and there, participating in different service projects, partnering with other organizations in town like Chubby's Project, um, with DNR Greenway, with the different churches in town, with Hopeful Gives Back, um, doing service projects, talking about ideas that they want to learn about. What are the things that like we want to like drive our learning and service? So we came up with kind of like five big topics that for last year and this year we really try to focus in on on when we learn about something or when we like participate in a service project. We wanted to hit on one of those five, which includes mental health um economic economic um justice environmental justice racial justice and lgbtq community um, that is amazing and those and that's just emerged, that's what they came up with. that emerged from like my conversations with these young people mm -hmm. um and then sharing that so i like in the, one of those first meetings i was like hey i've been talking to a lot of you guys for the past couple months separately this, this is what i'm hearing this is what i'm hearing you guys care about um and so that's kind of been our driving uh, it's five huge topics we are huge. we're not able to like tackle yeah. all of them all at once but every time we get an opportunity from someone in the community or surrounding communities like hey do you guys want to do this or in our own group of like what do we want to talk about what do we want to learn who do we want to bring in to teach us or who do we want to partner with those are kind of the driving um there's so many things even more than that and subtopics within even those but like of course such a great and inspirational way to start out by just really caring about like what's happening in the community. Um, and mental health, I think has been a huge piece of that. Um, and sometimes that means like, just like chilling out. Like, I think I very much learned and had a lot of excitement for like, let's do a lot. And I've learned so much from these amazing <laughs> young people that like a balance, like balance is really helpful. Like, I think they're definitely, we have our doers, but then there's also just seasons and moments where I'm like, you know what, maybe we should just like, play games, hang out, drink a milkshake, take a beat. Yeah. Like there's a lot going on. Be kids. Be kids. Cause it's so, and that's, and that's the whole point. I'm not trying to make this, this, the Hopeful Youth Collective isn't trying to make youth be adults. It's just allowing youth to be youth and bring the ideas and perspectives and, and, and allow their voices to be heard where they're at in their life and the stories that they have and the lives that they have that already matter. 
and don't that doesn't you don't become more of a significant of a human being once you turn 18. Yeah, you get different rights, but like mm-hmm. your your value as a human being is, is significant and, and the same, you know, throughout your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we do a and mix those of are, um, interesting years, right? Like, yeah. So as a teenager, the, those years can be hard. So that absolutely safe place yep. of like exploring all of these ideas yeah and not feeling like you may expose yourself in a situation yeah. with your peers it, it gives a like a, a sanctuary in yep. a way for mm-hmm. the youth which is absolutely beautiful. yeah and i think part of why it's so amazing is that you know these places right these sanctuaries these third spaces right don't necessarily exist for a lot of exactly youth right especially um, if you're not connected to a church like traditionally right. it's like the youth group right at church which you know mm-hmm. how helpful often is that space anyway right. historically and as a parent you know we're not a family who goes to church exactly and yeah. other than say the scouts who <laughs> are problematic for me in different ways um, there aren't really other organizations like that, right? Yep. You know, you can have different activities that your children do, but the, that that feeling of belonging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's for and them. The space yeah. for that. Yep. That's for them that y- you as a parent are not a part of. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's kind of amazing. And it's it's something that's necessary. And, and inclusive. And you find in a lot of places. Yeah, and it really came from this idea of like, reevaluating this concept of youth ministry and youth group which has a, a very long history of basically doing the fucking same thing for mm-hmm. a long fucking time around we just need to get these kids in the doors of the church mm-hmm. and that will solve all the problems and all the issues and it took people in this community saying like what if youth ministry is just caring about youth mm. Yeah, And that is the foundations of the Hopeful Youth Collective. Changing this paradigm of youth ministry not happening in a pew or in a church or with a particular denomination or with a particular yeah, prerequisite. all of those things divide. Exactly. Right? They don't include, exactly. they don't unite. There's they still just, a prerequisite. Yeah. You have to believe this. You have to do this. You have to engage in the church in this way or be connected to the church in this way. And this one is like, you live in this community? Great. You're in. <laughs> You know, and I and and it's it sounds silly saying that, but there's not a lot of spaces where like just existing is enough to get to be who you are and belong. You you always have to do something. This is the fucked up capitalistic world that we live in where Mm -hmm. our worth is in what we do and we have to do something to belong. And this group is trying to say, like, you already belong. And, and welcome. kudos to the Hopewell churches for yes. like supporting this. Yes, absolutely, it's huge, and and a huge testament to the work that these faith communities are trying to do. Of also like, I, I won't speak for all of them. I'm not trying to speak for all of them, but a sense of within the Hopewell Council of Churches of like really wanting to reimagine what even church participation in a community looks like, and how do we actually like be a part of this community mm-hmm. and respect the the beliefs and traditions and faith and all the things that this whole beautiful diverse community holds on to and that you again there isn't this sense of like you only get the benefits of community if you are part of this church or if you believe this way um so i think it's really like helped so many different 
entities in this community start rethinking like what does community mean and how do we truly just like let people belong because of because they are here and yeah. they are human yeah it's pretty fantastic i'm a huge fan exactly what churches are supposed to do yeah and thank god we have our young people to like learn from and sometimes it sucks that they have to carry a huge weight and burden of constantly educating adults and dealing with the bullshit of adults um so shout out to their resilience and i hope that they don't have to be this resilient sounds um, like you're perfect for this job though like you were meant like to find this job and do it because i know from the youth i mean from darius i don't know a lot more (laughs) but it's it's made an impact in their lives Mm. which means it's gonna make an impact for the rest of your life just like you remember the cello teacher or the that's right you know these kids are going to carry your support for the rest of their lives well and i mean a huge part of it is also like bringing in other adults that like we have i have amazing regular like leaders that are part of this and i have an intern for the first time this year and these young people get to see more and more adults that truly love and care about them because they are just who they are um, and that's the goal is like, how do we build systems of just mutuality and support? Um, and I and, and also, like, I've learned so much from them. I mean, mm. and feel so like I grow and change and learn because of my relationship with these young people in our conversations. And it's like it's mutual. And that's also shifting that paradigm and these power dynamics of the adults doing things for youth or having to mm-hmm. be there you know like obviously there's a sense of like speaking to a parent here like <laughs> rules boundaries <laughs> that's life sure but this like actual like you are an agent you have agency you are um you have your own agency to be your own human and your relationship with adults is not doesn't have to work within this hierarchical power dynamic of like youth being here to like for free labor or for <laughs> but seriously i mean no, there's so for with, sure. within no, for sure. with or like you know just well i to, mean and and given your background yeah. it makes a lot of sense that you're like you know what we're gonna break with that we're yep. not gonna use mm-hmm. that that didn't work that didn't serve any purpose yep. so let's find the new path and this is why i think you're perfect for it because you're like i want to learn from you yeah. we want to build this together that's right mm-hmm. And, and it's also like teaching the adults to like, hey, y'all have a lot to learn too. Yeah. And if you want to be a part of our, you know, adult volunteer team or group, like there has to be a sense of like you wanting and being willing to like learn as much as you are to like offer support and care. Like there mm-hmm. has to be that mutuality. There yeah. has to be that. Or yeah. else we just continue to work within these systems of, of power dynamics and some people are better and some people are not. And I refuse to be a part of an organization, especially as the director currently of this organization, where that's the case. And it's taken a lot of work. Adults are, are much harder to convince of these things. And mm-hmm. um, I remember one, we did a, we do an annual retreat where it's just like me and a couple other adult leaders and then all the young people who want to come. We go to a beach house on Long Beach Island and just like rest and hang out and have fun and also have like conversations and do some check-ins and um, one time th- this last year, one of the questions I asked was like, what do you wish that adults like knew or did better? And so many answers around just like being willing to learn, educate yourself, say sorry, own your mistakes, mm. stop making excuses, 
because of your age or because of whatever of why you can't learn a new pronoun our language is is changing all of the fucking time and we we adapt to that this is this is just being homophobic this is just like being ignorant there's no excuse to not continue to like learn and expand our minds and learn from the communities we're a part of that is just called being ignorant and not here for it so these i mean these and this is what the kids are saying and i'm grateful to have a chance to share some of their um perspectives and because they're important and i and i really hope if people listening to this get nothing else than the words of those kids then it's worth it to actually like do better hold themselves accountable to keep learning to own up when they mess up, say sorry, and to keep trying to like do better. Because um, we're so good as parents to hold them, like you know, holding yeah. them accountable. You, need, <laughs> you, you hurt so someone's hard. feelings, you need to apologize. Adults, we still hurt people's feelings a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how often are we apologizing for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, yes. And this is why it's important to have younger people like you in our podcast for us Hmm. Um, because you thanked us earlier at the beginning for bringing your voice and we thank you for being here and teaching us like us and anyone else who may be listening and be like oh I didn't think about that perspective or that point of view Mm -hmm. and that this is why you know we need to hear this yeah because that's the only way to learn that's right right. you need to bring it into your awareness and you know typically at the end of these um, episodes, the last question we ask is about what would you say to the younger generation about how they can claim their own power and you know walk with confidence and mm. have that kind of agency, but I kind of feel like you just turned that on its head mm-hmm. and told us about what, what would you say to the older generation? Yeah, what they have to say to us. Yeah. But before we go to the end, though, I want to know how you live um, your spirituality nowadays. Like, how is your connection with God yeah, after what a great that question. whole path? It, I, so it, I promise this is connected. I <laughs> wanted a chance to kind of say this at the beginning. Um, the, the word woman is complex for me. I am queer. I identify as genderqueer. I have a lot of fluidity in the way I live in the world, including both my gender, my gender expression, my gender identity, and my faith. I see all these things as very fluid and, and fluctuating in the world because of my experience. And I think the, the word woman, I, I agreed to be on this podcast because it's still very meaningful in some ways and needed um, and strategic. Like, God, I wish we didn't need to be like, we need to fight for women's rights mm-hmm. or for the rights of you know female bodies or mm-hmm for female mm-hmm. organs or whatever like I wish we could just live in a world where we got to be human but I recognize that's not the case so even in the midst of my like very much like queer identity and presentation and presence in the world um I am willing to be on a podcast where I don't the word woman isn't meaningful to me as an individual but it's meaningful for me because of the work that needs to be done mm-hmm. and the perspectives and voices that still need to be heard and so I was like, hell yeah, I want to be on this podcast. Like, eh, I, ho- I hold that identity category loosely. Sure. But my voice as someone who is assigned female at birth and who still it operates within a world as being seen as a woman and my rights very much connected to my body and that identity category. Um, so I just want to say that. And then also in connection to faith, like it's very fluid. I think I've really embraced the ways that 
Like sometimes faith is so meaningful and I feel like I feel so close to God and I see God in the world around me and the individuals in my life. And I, I work at a church. I go to church pretty much every Sunday now, um, which is the first time I've done that in a few years at that level of consistency. Um, and I joke sometimes, like, I only go to church because I get paid to. <laughs> I, I said that joke to my boss and to the pastor of the church. So I'm not shy in saying that. But, like, the moments I've been able to, like, rediscover or, like, re-experience the presence of God in a faith community has been incredibly meaningful. Mm. And then there's some days where I'm, like, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think one of the most recently meaningful experiences I got to do this leadership program in San Antonio and I think being in a space and it was a cohort of people who work in like different kind of innovative ministry type roles like connected to Christianity in some way but like isn't just a traditional pastor sure um and so I'm around these people who are not pastors but work for different organizations or work for different types of groups that like are connected to Christianity in some way and I feel like that space apart from like my job my family even my my home my community whatever i feel like i got to kind of like explore faith again in kind of a different way um that was really meaningful and hearing people and in in such a diverse way um different people from different traditions identities races ethnicities like experiencing and talking about god in ways that are meaningful for them was so meaningful to me Hmm. um And I think the more that I get to, like, learn from people, the more faith becomes, like, expansive and meaningful. And I think any time that I, like, struggle with faith is when I feel like it's getting shoved back in Mm. to a particular type of way of being or the pressure to, like, perform or talk about it in a particular way. But when people get to just, like, say, this is the way faith is meaningful for me now, that may be different tomorrow. It was different yesterday. Doesn't feel that important right now. It will probably feel important again. That freedom to just like be and exist. And that's why I feel like these things are so connected to like my body and my spirituality, my my gender identity, my so many different parts of, of my identity are connected to my faith because it's like this freedom to just be and to just move and exist in the world in a way that isn't like controlled by someone else. Um, yeah, because we've been, there's so many labels. Yep. all along like the history I mean of humanity right like so everything has been labeled into different boxes right mm-hmm. try to explain everything so much that now we have to like get ourselves out of there yeah. to be able to like experience because we're all human it's the, like it sounds yeah. like you're talking yeah. about the humanity yeah. of living to just be yeah. yeah and I think I, I continue to make these connections between like gender and faith and all this stuff because I feel like there is a lot of overlap like in some ways I'm like yeah, she, her is fine, woman is fine, it's very strategic, it's what is needed in certain spaces. Yeah, church is fine, spiritual, like, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. a part of this denomination is fine. There's a lot of ways that that's, like, it's still a place where a lot of change and meaningful action can happen, and I think it's important for people like me to be in those spaces, to sh- ha- there, for there to be representation, to help conversations move along. And 100%. in some ways, it's, like, strategic, still very meaningful, but then also there is like outside of those strategic ways where it just gets to kind of like ebb and flow um, and be more meaningful or less meaningful without kind of this agenda around it. I don't think the agenda is wrong or mm-hmm. the ag- it's bad for there to be some level of like 
we're yeah, strategic just, in so many different ways. Like I'm going to speak in this way because I know that this is going to be a language that people understand. I, I don't have to be like, I believe ABC to be able to have influence within a church, or within a community. Like the, the church and faith and spirituality is a space of so much influence. And I want to, I want to be a part of those conversations. I want to be part of trying to change and make churches and Christianity a better place for future queer kids um, for future any type of kid and so I feel very like that, that's still very much important to me and part of my personal faith but just different so I, I don't know if those connections between gender and faith made sense but that's kind of how I think about them um, and the ways that they're important to make things better for everyone yeah it's like a very conscious awareness of like okay I'm choosing this yeah. for this purpose but yeah. then at the same time I exist outside of that as well absolutely and I can just be yeah, and, and allowing that to be okay and not feel like, as I was raised, there's like a right way to be a Christian, to be a person of faith, to have faith, to be spiritual. There's no right way. People find and make meaning in their own ways because of the way they were raised, because of the space that they take up, because of their bodies, because of their identities, and those are valid because they are valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. You are worthy and you can have a happy life. Like this is not just for certain type of yep. people that follow a certain path. And any time power and control and hierarchies get into that, then like what's not, it's not doing its purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That sounds so all when up. do you feel the most powerful? <sighs> I, I feel like I've, in this last year of my life, shout out to therapy, um, have felt the most, I feel like being, feeling like I can truly say what I think, um, which some of my friends and people might laugh at that as if like, Deborah, we've never known you not to say what you think. But also there's a lot of people in my life who would be like, oh wow, you're saying what you think. There's this weird kind of overlap of like, the way I was raised and people who maybe know me from like five plus years ago to the people who've known me for the last couple years of kind of having these different experiences of me because it really hasn't been until the last couple years that I'm like, I believe what I am convincing these young people of that like my voice matters and my perspective matters and my opinion matters. And I felt so empowered by doing that and by being supported by my community um, that I... (laughs) Maybe it's going a little off the rails. I feel like I say what I think all the time now. So maybe I need to like step it back a little bit. But really, but but I think really being able to like recognize that like I have knowledge and skills and a story that matters and can help shape and change the world around me, the lives around me and believing that and, and getting to live into that. I think that was a huge part of even this leadership program that I got to do. Um, last month is I got to take away kind of all the other things and just be and just say this is what I'm going through this is what I'm thinking about this is what matters to me without feeling like I need to check like who's in the room what's mm-hmm. you know what how do I have to kind of exist in this space and that felt very like I felt so empowered of just being in this space and getting to like speak my mind without this sense of like being strategic mm-hmm. um, so that's mm-hmm. very empowering I think strategy is also empowering but I think the space is where I get to where I feel like there is safety and trust and mutuality and the relationship with the people I'm around to like truly be like this is my vision for the world this is my passion this is what I care about and I don't feel like I have to do any kind of like checks and balances um 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, I feel empowered when I'm around people who are empowered. Um, and that's what I think is so cool about the youth collective, because like that is a powerful space mm-hmm. when people like, and this just is a concept. I feel like of this, like this scarcity mindset of like, I have to take your power in order to be powerful, but like getting to be in these spaces where people are all just like fucking powerful and recognizing like my power and my presence and my life does not take away from your ability to do the same. Mm. This is what community means. Mm-hmm. This is what collectivism means. We are so stuck in this like individualistic world where we feel like we have to be competitive all the time and that if you have this and I can't have that and whatever, instead of like actually thinking about like living in a world where like we truly are seeking the like freedom and power of all people um, and that that doesn't have to come at a cost of our own power. It might shift it because we live in worlds where there is systemic issues of power and hierarchy in terms of race and gender and ability and culture. So there might be some shifts, but that doesn't mean you're losing your power. And shifts are beautiful. Exactly. It's not black or white. Yeah. It's not this or that. No, I talked about this with a lot of our guests. This I these perceptions of power and how people get stuck in the idea that power is a zero-sum game and power has to inherently oppress someone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people who are otherwise nice people who don't want to think of themselves as powerful because yeah. then they're thinking of themselves as then doing something negative to other folks. And who are the people who often think that? Folks on the margins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people who have had unhealthy power dynamics used against them are trying to think thoughtfully about that right women and queer people and black people and immigrants and you know these are the people who are i feel like most often i don't ever want to make a complete generalized statement but the people who have been told that and experience power in a really harmful way Mm -hmm. and we need to like be examples of what actual like healthy and mutual collective power looks like constructive collective Power. Not that power. Can have. Not power over people, but power with people. Mm. Um, we don't need. We don't need to hold power over pe- people. We can just live alongside of each other and actually support each other without feeling like that is going to threaten your power and presence in the world. And also, you're sometimes. such a revolutionary. <laughs> and sometimes being weak is being powerful. You know, like just own where you are when you're there like this thing that you were talking about shifts and like allowing yourself to do all these shifts like yeah just knowing that maybe the way that you're acting or behaving or that you thought was right yeah um may not be all of it and that there is a place for you to like shift that that is that is that is a powerful moment that's right owning our mistakes owning our shortcomings being honest that is powerful it's not having all the right answers. It's not being the best. It's not being the most impressive. It's not being the most known. It is being yourself and learning alongside of others and allowing yourself to continue to grow and learn and expand and live life alongside of others. That's, that's power. And I am excited to be a part of a community that seems to be open to some of this and hope that through the Hopewell Youth Collective, we get to be a part of empowering young people and empowering the community. Um, to actually show up for each other and to, to grow in this sense of mutuality. I see it through the Chubbies Project. I see it through the other organizations in town. And I'm really excited and hopeful 
in Hopewell <laughs> for this type of like mutuality and mutual empowerment because that's how we heal. That's how we grow. That's mm-hmm. how we change. That's how we address racism. That's how we address homophobia. That's how we address mental health is together and, and truly seeing the other person, the neighbor, as a, as a human and, and wanting to be for their belonging as much as you want to belong. Mm-hmm. I could talk forever. It's so. revolutionary. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for yeah, joining us today, absolutely. Deborah. This was Thanks for having me. Really fantastic. Yeah, thank you. I have no thoughts about anything, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> there is agency. So much agency now. Yeah. It's fantastic. No, it's really exciting. You'll be back. This is not the one and only. <laughs> You'll be back. For sure. I'll be back. Yes. <laughs> you weren't even alive when that movie came out. I know. I'm sorry. Does that offend you? No. A little bit. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Join us next time when we talk with Nicole Langdo, founder and director of the Painted Oak Nature School, the biggest nature school in New Jersey.